And if you wouldn't mind, let's give all our graduates one more hand. Way to go, guys. We're excited for you. It's very exciting. And um, speaking of graduations, uh, my son graduated from the University of Virginia yesterday, which was an awesome, awesome experience. And do we have any UVA grads that can stand at this time or local grads that can stand? Go ahead and stay, no, 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 stay standing. And I don't care what you graduated from, just stay standing. Let's give them a shout out too. Way to go, guys. God bless. Congratulations. Appreciate that. And so it's been a, a, a very busy but wonderful, wonderful weekend in my family as we've been celebrating with my son as he's graduated from UVA. One of the reasons why I'm dressed like I am is because someone once bet me that I'd never wear these pants to church. That's the first reason. And uh, the second reason is, if you're not from Seaville, these are kind of the UVA colors, navy, blue, and orange. And since my son is exiting and uh, my daughter will be going there, she was the tall, thin one that's going to UVA in the fall, I just thought I'd wear this to kind of give a shout out to the Who's and to UVA. And I figured since they have the majority of the money I'll ever make, I might as well wear the attire and cheer once in a while for um, UVA. Now, what we're doing as a church family is we're journeying together through the whole concept of follow Jesus, serve others. And before I step into that, we're going to be looking at follow Jesus Pentecost. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, as many of you know. Kind of began looking at the whole idea of the Holy Spirit. But before I do that, I want Carol Knight to stand. Carol, go ahead and stand. This is Carol Knight. Everyone turn around, say hi, Carol. Come on, stand up. There we go. This is Carol. Everyone say hi, Carol. She turned 75 last Sunday. So let's give her a hand. Thank you, Carol. You can be seated now. And the reason why I did that is I, I didn't find out she was 75 until I checked on Facebook following church. And so I, I said that I would make her stand. Or I, I said, well, I missed the opportunity to make you stand. And she said, good, because I didn't connect with her over her birthday until this Sunday. But there, the man with the mic has the power, Carol, and I did make you stand in a huge happy birthday to you. We'll duke it out later. Is that fair? Very good. Happy birthday. So listen, what we're doing as I began to share is that we're taking a look at follow Jesus, serve others with the idea of Pentecost as something that we're focusing at. And so what we're going to do kind of briefly this morning is we're going to take a look again at the book of Acts. We're going to begin by looking at Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to read or reference Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And as I do that, um, we're going to take sort of a pinpoint look at a couple of things that involve us with people who are followers of Jesus. The idea of Pentecost or the coming of the Holy Spirit and what that means for you and for me. And I really want to end on kind of a practical tone because we've got quite a bit of the youth group that are here, some of those students that are graduating and going off into the future. There's just some thoughts that I think are excellent thoughts for you as well as for the rest of the City Church family. So as we look together in Acts chapter 1, we're going to begin reading verses 1 through 10. Now here's what I know. 
And I say this often when I teach on the Holy Spirit, that a lot of us, when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, we look at the Holy Spirit as that person of the Trinity that's sort of like that crazy uncle that lives over in the hollow of the hills somewhere, and they show up at family reunions and birthdays. You're glad they're there, but you really don't want to sit too close to them, right? You kind of like to keep a safe distance. Well, what we've been learning at City Church for the past 18 years that I've been serving as the lead pastor is that although I understand why people would view the Holy Spirit that way, they're comfortable with God as the Father. They look at Jesus the Son and really are just, they love Jesus and everything about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, well, that's the one that let's just kind of take a distance from. But what we're discovering is that the Holy Spirit is a central reality for the life of a Christian. As a matter of fact, it's an absolute theological impossibility to say that you're a Christian without also moving in the Spirit and having the Spirit dwell in us. So what I want to do again is we're going to begin reading in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look briefly at these texts, and then we'll end up in Acts chapter 2 where Pentecost is brought to us. Acts chapter 1, begin reading in verse 1. Here's what the writer says to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It says, notice the heading, Jesus taken up into heaven. He writes, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over, a four, over 40 days, a period of 40 days, and spoke with them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, that's what we're going to really be looking at on June the 5th with water baptism. But in a few days, you will be baptized with, with what? The Holy Spirit. Fascinating that at the outset of the beginning of the, God, or the book of Acts, what you find is the Trinity is presented at the beginning. For those of our friends that are part of a high church, the Sunday after Pentecost Sunday is always Trinity Sunday. And so looking at it this morning, you have the mention of the promises of the Father, that the Father promised the Holy Spirit and what Jesus has been up to. Just so you know, the writer of the book of Acts is also the writer of the Gospel of Luke. And so what the writer even tells us is the Gospel of Luke kind of dealt with everything up until the point of the ascension of Jesus. And the book of Acts is about the acts of the apostles and what they're involved with after the ascension of Christ. So as we pick it up, we read on. Scripture tells us, it says, Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But... Acts 1.8, 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were there looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now, I often picture this the following way. Oftentimes, or sometimes, you may see on Facebook where people try sort of a a community humorous thing, where a couple of people will gather in a public place and they'll just look up. And it's kind of a sociological experiment. They stand in a public place and look up, and before you know it, a crowd stands around them. They all just kind of look up. And then finally, someone will say, well, what are we looking for? And the person will say, nothing. I was just standing here looking up, wondered how many people would join me and do the same thing. And so here we have in the book of Acts, you've got the disciples, Jesus ascends after 40 days of hanging out with them and teaching them and eating with them. They're standing there watching Jesus go up. He's hid from their sight. And what fascinates me is the scripture tells us in verse 10, they were looking intently up. They were looking intently, yet he was gone. And these two men appear standing with them. And these two men say to them, listen, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. When we look at this story and we look at what the writer of Acts, Dr. Luke, tells to us, there are a couple of things that I would like for us to focus on together this morning. When I think about this scenario, the book of Acts tells us for 40 days, Jesus would meet with his disciples at Zinberger, and he would talk to them about the kingdom. Now, when we read this, we can read it real quickly. But picture this. Those disciples had seen Jesus get arrested. A few of them followed him while he was being tortured. And one of them actually followed him to the bitter end when he was crucified, he was executed, and he died. So picture you're one of the disciples. Jesus was taken from you, he was exited or executed, he was killed, and on the third day, the scripture tells us he was raised from the dead. Now just picture that. We can so quickly read this. But just imagine how he was executed, he was killed, he was resurrected, they fled, and now in resurrection body, Jesus goes around, he begins to knock on their doors and say, it's me, I'm alive, let's get back together. The very thing I told you was going to happen has happened, and the book of Acts tells us that he would hang out with them, he would eat cheeseburgers with them. And he would talk about the kingdom. And then, on the 40th day, after doing that for 40 days, now this is key, Jesus died on Passover, and he exits sometime after that, after 40 days, he exits. And when he does, they all watch him disappear. And the Bible says that they look intently into the sky. 
It almost seems in the original language that they're so intent and there's so much intentionality that there's the assumption that the sky would open and he'd come right back. So these two angels, these two angelic beings stand next to them and say, listen, Jesus, as you saw him go, will return. But don't just stand here gawking into the sky. Do what he said to do. What he told you to do was to go to Jerusalem and to wait. Now notice what is said to them in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 that Jesus says to them. Put the scripture up on the screen if you would. Here's what Jesus says. Do not leave Jerusalem, but what's the next word? Wait. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Isn't it amazing that in Acts 1-4, technically the Holy Spirit, the Father in the Son, the Trinity, is presented to us. Jesus' command, go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the promise of the Father to be fulfilled. Now, when it comes to waiting, many of us would have a mental picture of a lazy boy chair. How many of you sitting here this morning are going, I can't wait to get home and put my feet up and chill? Come on, confess before God and man if that's what you do <laughs> Sunday afternoon. You block out the honeydew list, you put up your feet and you check out your eyelids for about 30 minutes to an hour and you get up and you feel God's presence and you're just all excited about life. That's most of how we view waiting. What you have to understand though, in the Hebrew mind, waiting is not passivity. Waiting is when you're almost like a maiden waiting, when you're someone who is expecting something, someone who is in a posture of expectation. It's the idea of when they were intentionally looking into the sky and they were waiting for him to come back. It says they were looking intently into the clouds. They're intently looking for Christ. And in my humorous mind, I picture them there for about two hours, staring. And there's so much intent and so much intentionality that God in his mercy looks at two angels and says, can you go down there and tell those knuckleheads to do what Jesus told them to do? Because if you don't go do that, they're just going to stand there for days and days. So go tell them, do what he said. And what he told you to do was go to Jerusalem and what? Wait. Again, in the Jewish mind, Waiting is something that you do with intent and with intentionality. It's not about just kind of doing nothing. Here's one way to look at it. I, because of my profession, read a lot of books. Because of that, I order a lot of books off of Amazon. And when I do, I get an email that says your order is in. And then I wait. But you know what's awesome? I get text alerts as to where that book is. It's incredible. It used to be kind of every day with anticipation, go to the mailbox. That's how I used to wait. Now I get a text. 
book has shipped. Next thing I know, the book has landed in Richmond. The book is now on a, on a truck to Charlottesville. And then I'll get that glorious text that says the book has been delivered. Anticipation, waiting isn't like it used to be. But here what we have is Jesus saying, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait. But waiting is always done with intent and with intentionality. It's what they were doing when they were intently gazing into the sky. They were waiting for him. They were looking for him. And signs of God bringing Christ back. But what we find is that Jesus says to his disciples, here's what's going to happen next. The Father has promised the Holy Spirit. And that promise is going to happen. So I want you to go to Jerusalem and to wait, to intentionally look for the things of the Spirit and to intentionally seek for the coming of God's presence. Look for it. What Scripture tells us is that there are nine days between Jesus' ascension and the day of Pentecost. There are nine days. And Scripture tells us that they end up obeying, they go to Jerusalem. We're going to read in just a moment in Acts chapter 2, where they go to Jerusalem, they gather together, and they're seeking God, and they're looking for, and there's intentionality for the coming of God's Spirit. But as I thought about this, I thought about you, and I thought about me. I thought about the working of the Holy Spirit in my life. Do we look with intentionality to see what God's up to through the power of His Spirit? Do we live life that way? Or do we live life in such a way where we understand some biblical doctrine, we understand some biblical basics about God, but the truth of it is, beyond kind of that flatline scriptural understanding, is there a sense in Pete Hartwig's life where the Holy Spirit has been sent and I'm intentionality, or I'm intentionally or with intentionality looking around me to see where God is moving, what is God is up to? Now, let me use the following illustration to help us. I've shared many times that I was raised on a farm in Nina, Wisconsin. I was raised on a farm. And actually, my parents are here this morning. Where's mom and dad? I want you to stand. Where are they? Where are they? They're here. There they are. There's mom and dad. You can be seated. By the way, I had them stand because my father's an introvert and he can't stand move and greet, so I thought I'd have him stand twice. God bless you, Dad. But we were raised on a farm. And on that farm, we were in a city called Nina, Wisconsin. Nina, Wisconsin. It was a wonderful upbringing. It was a lot of hard work. But I thought everyone worked as hard as I did when I was kids. So here we were, we were raised on a farm in Nina, Wisconsin. Because I was raised in Nina, I have something that I'm always looking for, always. And I'm going to bless you with what I look for wherever I go, and you are going to begin to do the same thing. Trust me. And it's this. Outside of Nina, there's a manufacturing plant called Nina Foundry. And what they make 
are metal grates and round manhole covers that are literally all over the United States of America. They're all over. And wherever you go, when you step on a grate, oftentimes it'll say right on it, Nina, Wisconsin, Nina Foundry. So can you put up, uh, go to the first slide actually, the first one, one more with the rotunda. So literally this is a picture from this weekend. So that's where graduation takes place on grounds at UVA, there's the rotunda. So I took that picture just to say, hey, I was here. Then five feet away from where I took that picture, here's the next picture that I took. That right there. Everywhere I go, as creepy as it sounds, I go with incredible intentionality. When I'm walking, I literally do, I look at all the steel grates that I walk over, and I look for that. And whenever I look for it, I see Nina Foundry Company, Nina, Wisconsin. And it just fills my heart with joy. It's true. Wherever I go, I'm looking for this. And now, in many ways, I've now blessed you. Because wherever you go, from now on, you're going to be stepping over metal grates going, is that Nina Foundry? Is that Nina? Pastor Pete told me about this. Then you're going to gather people around, and you're going to say, look, that's Nina Foundry. That's where Pastor Pete was from, and he grew up on a farm, and everywhere he goes, he's looking with intentionality to find these metal grates. I've seen these things in Seattle, Washington, and Atlanta, Georgia, and even on grounds at God blessed UVA. I've seen them all over the country. Isn't that incredible? Warms my heart. Now, here's my question for us. You may not be the type of person that begins to look with intentionality at every metal grate you step over. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. In our spiritual lives, are you looking for, and am I looking for, are we waiting for what the Spirit of God wants to do in and through our lives? Do we do that with intentionality? Are we honestly cued in as Jesus followers to where I'm looking for what the Spirit of God is doing on the job? What is the Spirit of God doing at home? What is the Spirit of God doing in school? Am I actually looking for that? Because I think so often we can literally step over some of the greatest thing that God is doing and we don't see it because we're not looking for it. But with the intentionality that I have of looking at every metal grate that I step over, was it there in Nina Foundry? Does it remind me the same is true with our spiritual lives as we follow Jesus and we serve others? But here's what else is incredible to think about. Jesus, as he talks about the coming of the Spirit, phrases it this way, that it's the promise of the Father. That the Father has promised, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, that the Father promised to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, God has promised it. I'm behind him. And so when the Holy Spirit comes into this world and works in your life, in my life, please know that that's the promise of the Father. And to me, that's huge. Here's why. Do you know what the Jewish people hung on to in the entire Old Testament? You know what they hung on to? God's promises. That was the center of their faith. 
They followed 613 laws that began with 10 commandments and then grew to 613 laws. They followed the laws. But guess what else they did every single day? They would recount the promises of God. Here's what God promised to Israel. Here's what God said about Israel. Here's what God guaranteed with Israel. Because it all began with Abraham in the Older Testament, this guy among all of these people, that God comes down and he taps Abraham and says, Abraham, if you will leave your people and you will trust me, and you will be a follower of mine. If you will take that step to follow me, and you'll just trust me that as you follow me, I'm going to lead you. Abraham, if you will do that, here's my promise. Abraham, I promise, I guarantee you that the people that will come from you will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand of the sea. And Abraham, will you trust me? And the Newer Testament says, because Abraham believed in the promise of God, it was accredited to him as righteousness. And Abraham begins to follow the promise of God. And throughout Abraham's life, God recounts this promise to him and to his people. And so the Israelite people to this day, the Jewish people, cling to the promises of God that God will be faithful and he will fulfill his promise. And you and I read them. Pastor Scott read some of those promises over the seniors in high school that God has a plan for you, that he will prosper you, he will do awesome things. Those are the promises of God. Those are huge. So when we step into Acts 1-4, the Jews that would have heard that would have coupled it with the God of the Old Testament who's made these incredible promises. And the question is for me and for you is this, when I look at that promise, do I recognize that the God of the Older Testament has guaranteed and he's promised that his spirit will be available to me and to you, but am I waiting, am I looking for with intentionality the work of the spirit in my life? Now here's what I want to let you in on. All of those seniors that lined the front today, I will promise you they have learned something if they're thinking young men and women, and I promise you they are. Here's what they've learned. They have learned that if you want to do something as a child, you need to strategically figure out which parent you're going to go to to get the quickest yes. How many of you know about this? I know my kids strategize. Who's in a better mood today? It's always Fran, I'm sure, but... Who should we go to? What do we want to go do? Let's strategize. Do I call mom first? Do I call dad first? How many of you sitting here know exactly what I'm talking about? And as parents, what do you always say? Go ask your mother. Or moms, go ask your father. And do not walk into the room and say, dad said, I could. What do you say? Now here's what I want us to understand. The father... The son, when you go to the father, he will say exactly what the son would say. And if you go to the son in the Trinity, he will tell you exactly what the father will say. And here's the beauty of it all. You can go to the Holy Spirit, the creepy uncle, and guess what? He's going to say the exact same thing that the son would say and what the father would say. And if that's the case, how is it that we can be so into Jesus and so spooked about the Holy Spirit? Why is that? 
They are in absolute harmony and absolute unity. And when you're looking for Jesus, ultimately what you're doing with intentionality is looking for the Spirit of God and what God's doing in your life and through your life and around your life. So the question has to be, for you and for me, are we looking for the Spirit of God to move in us and through us? Is there some type of intentionality with that? Now, here's what we find. We find that as the disciples are looking intently for God's promise to be fulfilled, now we read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 in closing. Here's what we find. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Where did Jesus go up to? Heaven. What comes down from where Jesus went to? This is clear in the book of Acts. Jesus went up. The Holy Spirit comes down. He went through the door, and guess what comes back out of the door? Holy Spirit. Got that? So suddenly a violent wind from heaven comes and filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and come to rest on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As the Spirit enabled them. Here's a couple of quick thoughts specifically for those seniors as well as the rest of us. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this. When they were all together, when they were intent and had intentionality together, they saw the moving of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I would like to say to all of the seniors. There's something about, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you would have an intent and you would intentionally get together with people that have the same intent that you have. So when you go off to college, I'm going to challenge each of you to find a campus ministry, to find a group of people that have the intent that you have where you're looking for Christ and you're looking for the moving of the Holy Spirit and that you would gather with them and you would be a part of that. Because there's something about when people with that intent get together, it just makes what God is doing so much more visible and tangible and real. So to all of us, not just the college students or those that are exiting high school and going somewhere else, I want to encourage you to be the type of person that gathers together with people that have a like intent. It's critical. It's really what we see in Acts 2-1 where the Holy Spirit begins to move. But here's another piece of this that I'd like to share as we close. What many of us might be aware of that the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. That's why it's called Pentecost. Penta meaning 50. 50 days after Passover, the Holy Spirit falls. What else is incredible, though, 
is that Pentecost is a celebration of the giving of the law of Moses. Because 50 days after the Israelites exit, after the Passover meal, they move out into the wilderness, and 50 days later, Moses is on Mount Sinai receiving the law of God. So not only is it a celebration of what they call the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest, it's also the celebration of the law of Moses. And here's what I believe God is saying to all of us. That a relationship with God can look like one of two things. It can look like the giving of the law. Where your relationship with God is based upon do's and don'ts. But to me, the day of Pentecost is all about God coming down on that day, at that time, saying to anyone who would listen, there's a new way to connect with God. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. That your Christian life should not look like do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. What it should look like is a relationship empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why God chooses the day of Pentecost to pour out His Spirit. It's either going to be rules and regulations, do's and don'ts, or it's going to be a life-giving, love-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered relationship with God through Christ and through the sending of the Holy Spirit. So my question to us, are we a group of people that with intentionality were looking up and recognizing that Christ exited and he promised the coming of the Holy Spirit? And am I living in such a way to where I believe that? Am I looking for the moving of the Holy Spirit, whether it's, it's I get up in the morning during my day at school, my day on the job, my day with the family, as I'm exiting the day and going to bed at night, am I the type of person that isn't just looking for Nina Wisconsin metal plate covers, but am I looking for the moving of God's Spirit? Is there an intentionality of that in my heart, my life, and in the people and the environments around me? One of the indicators of this is this. Has your Christian life become about rules and regulations? If it is, and that's what it's boiled down to, I want to encourage you as we close in prayer that you would be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Because the day of Pentecost is all about God saying it's no longer about do's and don'ts, it's about the moving of my spirit. The person of the spirit is here to move with you and in you and through you. And this is what develops a relationship with God. Let's stand together as we close. The worship team is going to return at this time. And as they do, I want to encourage all of us to take a moment in God's presence and just to close our eyes. And as we close our eyes, isn't it amazing that oftentimes the moving of the Spirit of God is not what we see with our eyes. It's what we sense in our hearts. It's what we sense in our spirits as we sense and know and look for the moving of God's presence and the moving of the Holy Spirit around us. But as we close our eyes for this moment,
I'm going to pray a prayer over all of us. And that is, is that it would not just be us analyzing steel grates or metal grates that say Nina on them. But we would live lives spiritually that through the eyes of faith, we will be committed to looking for and sensitive to the moving of God's spirit wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, and with whatever we're facing. Jesus said to the disciples, go and wait. Are we a group of people that are open to waiting that way, to waiting with intentionality, to living our lives as we follow Jesus and serve others to where we're open to, we're sensitive to, and we're looking for the moving of God's Holy Spirit. I want to pray a blessing over us before we take just a few moments to worship together. But could we in this moment open up our hearts to God? Maybe we would pray something like this, that Jesus, my life and my Christian walk seems like it's so much to do with about do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. God, instead, I pray that you would give me eyes of faith to where I can see the moving of your spirit and I can sense the moving of your Holy Spirit and that I would be a person who just like those disciples would be waiting with intentionality to see where you're moving, what you're doing, and how you're transforming hearts and lives. Jesus, I want to thank you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to us, that in this life we are never alone, and that we have a power that is greater than anything we would ever face. Jesus, thank you for this life-giving reality. May we live in it and accept it and believe it. Lord, I believe for this. I pray for it. And I ask for it now in Christ's name, in Jesus' name. Can we take just a few moments with our eyes still closed? And the worship team is going to begin to sing a worship song. And as they do that, will you allow your heart just for the next few moments to be freshly opened? to the working of the Holy Spirit. So Jordan, if you'll go ahead and lead us. Thank you, Jesus.
thirsty and all who are weak. Lead us in that one more time. Down on us, 
cries out. As deep cries out. One more time. As deep. our time together this morning if you would like to come forward for prayer and you have a need in your life our prayer team will be here to pray with you to pray with you and for you if you're a person that just wants to stay in an attitude of worship we encourage you to do that as well at this time I just want to say a blessing over all of us may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you may he cause his face to shine upon you and may he give you peace. And I also pray that throughout this week and the weeks to come, that we would be intentional about looking for the working of the Spirit and what God is doing in us, around us, and through us. Amen and amen. Let's continue in an attitude of worship. your love.
Set a fire down in my soul Can't contain that I can't control I want more of you, God More of you, God Set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain that I can't control I want more of you, God More of you, God Set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain That I can't control I want more of you, God More, more of you, God Set a fire down in my soul Can't contain That I can't control We have time for one more, so I appreciate you guys sticking around. It's been a joy for me to worship with you this morning.
thousand stories They think your life But I'll tender whisper of love Dead of night and you tell That you're pleasing that I'm never alone You're a good, good father Oh